Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today, we are going to be discussing sketches from Saturday Night Live and Adult Swim. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we are going to be discussing, at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me, as always, are Julian Morgan. Hello. Yeah, that was terrible. All right. Well, <laughs> guest co-host, Kelsey Sweeney. Hello. And our guest today, it's Katie Dunn from Improv and Stand Up. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here, everybody. Welcome. We're happy to have you on. Yeah. Thank you. Can you tell us about your background in comedy? Absolutely. So I'm actually going to start from the very beginning. <laughs> yes. Beginning. That's not really the question, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my background is I went to the DC Improv on a whim and I saw their student showcase and I said, wow, I think I've been doing that since I was a little kid. I just didn't call it improv. <laughs> so then I went home, Googled classes the next day and started Washington Improv Theater classes. And then I just started doing any and every audition that I could find. About a year later, I was frequent with comedy sports at the Comedy Spot in Arlington, and I would do about five shows a weekend there for Oof. a long time, a really long time. And um, currently, I'm still doing some comedy sports shows, comedy sports shows at the DC Improv, and I also work with a group called Chicago Improv Productions, and we do shows for anybody from uh, elementary schools to prisons to theater summer camps. Super fun. Tell us more about that. So like what what is Chicago Improv Productions and how do you do all of these shows? Like what's the, how does it all work? So we also work with a group called Art of Eight in the DC area. Um, Chicago Improv Productions actually stems from a gentleman named Jonathan Pitts, who was, actually he's, I would say, Jonathan, I'm going to call you a guru, a guru in Chicago. He actually started the Chicago Improv Festival and oh, wow. um, is one of the one of the contributing authors to the uh, Second City book on improv, where he taught for 16 years. You know, he just travels the world teaching improv and how the foundations of improv really can apply to anything you do ever, which is why we get such a big base. So we do a show called Make 'em Ups with a group called um, Art of Eight, kind of finds us shows around this area. And, you know, they, they say, okay, this high security prison would like you to perform. And we go and we, we teach them the values of yes and, and establishing characters and active listening and have a good laugh together. Did you ever get heckled in prison? Or Actually, you know what? Schoolers? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But we also, I mean, very quickly they realized that this was something that they could really adopt. And um, by the time we left the women's prison, we had shared tears with them. Wow. It was really darned moving. It was really neat. You know, I think it is a little bit idealistic for me to say, I believe that through improv, we can make the world a better place. But I don't care. I'll be idealistic. I really do believe it. I feel yeah. like that through most comedy, though. You know, yeah. there's an opportunity to say something in a fun way that needs to be said. And so, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like cynicism and stuff like that, but like it seems like your group and you yourself are all, are all about just like really embracing like sort of the brighter side of life, right? I try. Yeah. I do try. I do try. <laughs> and so the improv that you do, is it mostly short form? Is it mostly long form? What kind of improv is it? 
Well, with Chicago Improv Productions, that's all short form. With comedy sports, that's all short form. But I also directed long form um, hip hop musical, or yeah, hip hop and musical improv with Laugh Index Theater. Sure. And so that's long form. I kind of say long form with a gimmick, even (laughs) though it's really just another layer of your brain trying to, you know, get all of the gears to fit in together. It's interesting. And then I also did Precipice Improv Theater, and that's a fully improvised play. Oh, wow. Um, They usually last about an hour. And it's not always funny. So it's not always just comedy. We touch on some really serious issues with Precipice as well. So then I became a mom, and I don't do as much (laughs) improv these days. Oh, your kid really screwed that up. Well, I was going to (laughs) say on stage because I'm constantly Ah. improvising. She is – she's – Wonderful. She does characters and voices already. <laughs> Super yeah, fun. Yeah. I start training her now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a competitive world out there. I know. And my partner is also a comedian. So I mean, this kid. Ooh. I'm like, okay, here's here are blocks. Here are here's here's the alphabet. Here's the numbers one through ten. And she'll like pick up the number one and be like, oh. Do, do you have to go to the hospital and like pick up the number four and be like, yeah, I broke my leg, like in this different voice and like these elaborate stories. I'm just like, oh, honey, we have a creative. <laughs> Got to start contributing to those 401ks again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Katie, can you introduce our first sketch of the day for us? I will. The first sketch that I chose is called What's That Name? And that is uh, Bill Hader actually came back to Saturday Night Live just because his good buddy, John Mulaney, was visiting as the host that week. And John Mulaney used to write for Bill Hader when he was when he was a regular cast member on Saturday Night Live. So What's That Name is a game show style sketch that highlights the gleeful glitch in our own memories that lead us to remember the most random bits of information, but then also that really kind of preys on the super relatable faux pas of not knowing somebody's name. And I thought not only highlighting that was just, it's genius because everybody can relate to not knowing somebody's name. But then some of the issues that they hit on inside the sketch too, I was like, oh, this is so wonderful. Great. Well, here's a clip. See, that's even worse than me. How is that worse? (laughs) Get all the cameras on him. No, no, no. Finish that thought. Doug. It's worse because... uh, Well, uh, she's a woman. So at a party, uh, you would think she would want to talk to the other wives. Other wives? He's a goddamn partner at her firm, buddy. (laughs) Unreal. Unreal. (laughs) Round two. You know, All right, Katie, can you tell us why you brought us that sketch today? Yes. So as I mentioned, um, I thought it was super relatable. I don't know anybody that knows every single name. And I actually, I feel like I used to pride myself on knowing people's names. So like in this make-believe world, I feel like I would have gone on to that game show and been like, okay, I'm going to win that $250,000. Well, I think here's the big question. Can you remember the names of the five people in the room right now with you? I can. Okay. Do it. (laughs) We've got Kelsey, Andy, Isaiah, Elizabeth, and Julian. Elizabeth is here. Welcome to the microphone. It's Elizabeth Kemp. I'm just so impressed you got my actual name and you didn't call me E.K., that's so nice. <laughs> hey, that's, that's how you introduced yourself. And um, I have to admit, you guys, 
As I'm getting older and I do have mom brain, I wrote your names down. Oh, you're <laughs> cheating. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. So, so you're a liar. <laughs> hey, at least I admitted it the now. Episode. <laughs> do you think improv trains you at all to help remember names? I remember, like, I always struggle in well, improv. Clearly, it doesn't, Kelsey. Well, I'm saying, <laughs> do you think that that your improv training and listening has helped in this way? I don't know. I just always found that part of improv really challenging, remembering names, but. It is. I feel like sometimes within a scene, it's really hard to remember a name that your scene partner gave to you or gave to someone else because maybe your brain wasn't completely there in the present moment. However, I do feel I used to do a lot of kids shows and a lot of, you know, big birthday parties and everything like that. And by the end of those, I pretty much knew every kid's name in the room. And then as they were walking out, I could be like, hey, Aaron, you did such a good job. Or, hey, Noah, you better come back and see us on a weekend (laughs) show or something like that. You know, just really ham it up that way. But I also, I see it slipping. And maybe that's because I'm not doing as much improv now. Or maybe it is just because my brain is like, okay, there's actually a lot more important things (laughs) to remember (laughs) than Noah and Aaron right now. How often do you give characters names in improv? I feel like it comes up a lot, right? You want to yeah. identify the person coming on with you or referencing somebody else. Or like Katie said, someone gives you a name that's not yours. And now you got to remember this new fake name that you have. Also, it's like yeah. to establish sort of sometimes sometimes you can use it to establish um, like the not pecking order, but like hierarchy status. 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 Yeah. Status. Well, it's a big part yeah. of the second city approach to teaching improv is to help the audience understand what's going on is to give them, give your people names, give people names. They yeah. Can with them yeah. yeah. I was going to say almost every scene would ideally have names for the characters because you want to establish the who, what, and where. And so you can establish, well, this is a mom and this is the child, but it does just help you transport to that world a little bit easier if Maybe mom has a name. I don't know. I guess that's a bad example because <laughs> mom is mom. But the kids should have a name. Yeah. The kids should have a name. Yeah. And we all know mothers give up their identities <laughs> after they have children anyway. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's dig into the sketch a little bit. You talked about Bill Hader's role coming in. What did you? One of the things that stood out to me about Bill Hader's character was that he was like almost malevolent as he went through it. Can you talk about Bill Hader's characterization in the sketch? Yes. Okay. I think... Bill Hader, to me, became so much more, he he just got so much deeper once I started watching the show Barry, which is also a very dark comedy. It is so dark and intense. And when I saw him come back, and when I saw him come back, I was like, oh, that character has depth. That character has so many different layers to him because I wanted to, to applaud him because I thought he was excellent at calling out John Mulaney for being what I would call accidental, uh, an accidental misogynist. It was outright and it was blatant. And so Bill Hader was able to call that out right there. But he also wasn't saying that he was any better than that because he hung out with a bunch of, what did he say, problem... Problematic bachelors called the squad. (laughs) Which adds an extra layer now, given that that's what that group of uh, new congresswomen call themselves, the squad. Yes, I I know. It's a little extra wrinkle. I hate to actually even say that was one of the reasons that I was just like, yes, (laughs) to this particular one, because this is a second version. He actually did do this character in this game show. The sketch is so similar. But I thought that this one just had a little bit more that spoke to me literally right now. 
This one has more teeth than the original mm-hmm. one. What's my name? Norman the Doorman is the first one. Yes. Um, this, this one, he's, the character's more developed. And that's something I think is really interesting about this sketch. Julian, you famously don't like format sketches. I know. I and, know. But I, my question, is, do you think this is a game show sketch? So, so, yes. And the reason why it's not a character sketch for me is because Cecily Strong is there. So that, that's that's what kind of tilts it for me. Um, is Cecily Strong's character? What what I don't understand is why like it's going so hard on John Mulaney's character and not on Cecily Strong's character. So he's kind of picking and choosing. Like so, like when he says, "Um, you uh, don't support women," and she's like, "Nope," <laughs> it's just completely like okay, you know. Whereas if that were a John if that were John Mulaney's character, then it'd be like a whole thing. Yeah, camera one, camera three, let's mm-hmm. get on and yeah. explain yourself. Yeah. So because Cecily Strong's character is there and because she's she's contributing in some way, I, I really question whether she's to be there at all. She's contributing another element to the game show format. Mm. So that's why I think it's a game show. I think also Cecily gives another layer to this theme of misogyny that they're really biting into. And I think Cecily has a I mean, they show her having a little bit of internalized misogyny herself with her not being able to identify the wife. And I think, yes, we zero in on the true baddie here, John Mulaney. But I th- I liked that we had another woman also showing what this problem looks like and what it looks like when it gets called out. I agree. And I, I think, you know, not to be political, but it also is a little bit of, hey, women, why are you voting against your own rights in a way yeah. so you know what I mean I was just like this, <laughs> yeah that's true I mean that's it's it's happening here's a representation of that on this silly game show on yeah. Saturday Night Live but um I thought it was really interesting to see the dynamic I, I guess I don't mean to change topics no but as the um, free-flowing conversation <laughs> well thank you so I really liked how um I liked how they kind of were picking at John Mulaney because he was a previous writer on Saturday Night Live. And he does kind of have a little bit of that. So I've heard from Crashing and some other comedians that he has a little bit of the, what's the word I'm going for? People think he's a little bit of like, I'm smug. the good guy. Yeah, a little smug, but a little a little more than that. Kind of like an a-hole, uh. you know? Um, my, <laughs> but also... Elizabeth, why did you look at me when she said that? <laughs> <laughs> you you just always come back and report out on how much you love John Mulaney, and I don't love I don't John disagree with you, but I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I see some similarities there. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: it showed that his friends love him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can't. They mm-hmm. say it's only it's the people that don't talk about you in front of you that you need to worry about. You know, and I feel like that was um, having him play that character was a little bit like. Yeah, man, play this character that's a little bit of an a-hole, you know, but yeah. also kind of innocent in it as well, too. Like, it's again, but he's caught that, off guard by the whole yeah. situation. <laughs> he, has, he has to ask, like, why do you do this? Yes. <laughs> Which I, I, I love. They, they actually literally do it when they say camera one, camera three, like, like all the cameras. Focus in on him. Explain yourself. You think the thing that I really like, I don't know, it, that really makes my skin crawl is having to explain myself. <laughs> How often are you doing that? Yeah, so like just to be on camera and everyone's looking at you and you have to explain yourself like, why'd you do that? And it's like, I don't, I don't know, okay? I don't know. 
I don't what do know. you mean by explaining yourself, was, Julian? Was, <laughs> Let's dig into they were that. Selling the shamrock, on this podcast. They were selling the Shamrock milkshake at McDonald's, and you know what? I like them. Sorry, and sorry I did what I did. I'm kidding. That never I'm happened. terrified. <laughs> I don't happened. know what Whatever that story... That never happened. We'll swap Shamrock milkshake stories. I got I've a good one. I've never had the Shamrock milkshake. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's, They're it's, pretty it's, good. It's actually a thing I think about. You should do it. I, know, I want you like, to do that for yourself. I know, but like... It's seasonal. Know. You've got to wait. But, you know, mark it on your calendar. But let's talk about sketch comedy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, was John Mulaney playing that character part? Like, is that in background, like, stories about how that sketch came about? Like, there there was that reasoning behind it? Well, I don't know. But I did hear a theory that the problematic Bachelor was an improvised line just to see if they could try to make Mulaney break. So it does seem like that sketch has a lot of that broing out together, you know? I mean, the kind of that really familiar sense of buddyhood. Mm. I'll make that word today. Buddyhood. <laughs> it's and Friendship. would do that all the time to That's a good one too, yes. <laughs> Melanie would do that all the time to Bill Hader when yeah. they would do Stefan. Stefan, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they do that. So, yeah, that makes sense. One of the first big laugh lines in the sketch is this, and five dollars to you yes. line. Uh, why is that elicit such a big laugh? My thought on why that is so funny and why I laughed, you know, because as as comedians and someone who dissects comedy so much, a lot of times you'll see something and you'll be like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> but it did. It elicited a laugh from me. And I think it's because there was almost no value to it. And I did notice that in the previous What's That Name sketch, they va- they valued the first name at $25. So I was like, and it got a ho-hum laugh because $25 as your first guess on a game show is, you know, pretty standard. I mean, it's a little low, but we don't know the, the standards yet. But $5, I've never heard anybody getting $5 right. on any game show yeah. ever. Yeah, I, I was thinking like Jeopardy. Like I was trying to remember what... I haven't watched everything forever, but like I think fifteen dollars might be the lowest one. So maybe that's why the twenty-five dollar one didn't like the first square. I don't I know. Think it's also just the confidence with which right. Bill Hader right. delivers that. Yeah, so much of that is in the delivery. Elizabeth, can you talk about the way? I think especially Bill Hader and John Mulaney deliver their lines in this sketch. Mm-hmm. It really heightens the text. Well, Bill Hader takes on the role of the. When you first come to the sketch, he seems like this very polished kind of almost not folksy, but sort of old school game show host, you know, like a person who's never going to curse on air, that kind of thing. (laughs) I think that's actually why the five dollar thing plays is because it sounds like it's this wholesome kind of like. Here you go, champ. Here's five dollars. It's like Pat yes. Sajak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the the precision and the cadence that he mm-hmm. has, like, it adds to his character. It is suggestive of that innocence. There's nothing in it that gives away the game or that you have any. There's nothing that telegraphs in the, his delivery that he's going to roll out the next round or what the next round is. If you've seen the the sketch before, maybe you'd know it, but. Otherwise, it's it's a perfect reveal. And then the mm-hmm. fact that he doesn't really change the cadence at all, but it's a little more sinister in the delivery, just that little switch. And I don't know, I don't. there aren't that many people that can do it quite as effectively as Bill Hader, but just that little darkening of the tone made all the difference in the world. And John Mulaney does the same thing, it, it, whether it's in sketch and his stand-up, 
the man is polished and precise and almost makes a joke out of telegraphing in his own delivery like he's acknowledging this is a comedic situation. It's a sketch. And it's not quite breaking the fourth wall, but it's definitely more playing to acknowledging that this is what the situation is and that there's some... I've totally lost lost my point. But they're both... Yeah, he's just very polished, very, very specific and knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, so that, that, and that's why... Um, so, like, the earlier question about it, whether it's a... Is it a game... Is it a format sketch or maybe it's a character sketch or maybe it's some other kind of sketch? But, uh, the, like, the reason why, like, that question kind of comes up is because Bill Hader's delivery, as you said, like, it's very specific. He's evil. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he is torturing John He throws Blaney. a lot of complexity into it. Yeah. Just with his voice. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. and with his face. Yeah. Mm. He has the most beautiful facial expressions. It's almost facial choreography. Yeah. The way that he can make his eyebrow go up into that perfect point where you're like, oh, yes, this dude is being evil. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 um... What would you say to young girls line was so yeah. funny. Like the way the way he delivered that exactly you said it's like <laughs> facial choreography because he was just like or like he was like even put the focus on himself like hey camera 3 focus on me. I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's so funny. I'd listen. I would listen and the crowd was nuts. Yeah, so funny. I love hearing guys saying these very feminist ideas because I mean to to be in a, in mid sketch, and have this character that you wouldn't really expect it coming from, and be like, "Oh, that! Imagine that! Imagine that women are equal and <laughs> worth listening to, huh? Huh?" But even with his character, and I mean, it, in light in light of the fact that it was improvised, it makes me wonder. Like the whole, mm. "I'm a problematic bachelor" thing. <laughs> it's like, do you actually believe that stuff, or are you just holding this guy accountable to a different standard? Like maybe you'd say that stuff out loud, but end of the day. <laughs> yeah, he never once denies that he's a bad guy or anything like that. It's just yeah. like, it, it, he even says, actually, he is a bad guy because he says, like, all I want is chaos. <laughs> yes. So. This is really an existentialist sketch. I'm <laughs> convinced. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy. Introducing our second sketch today, it's Julian Morgan. Yeah, um, so the sketch that I'm bringing is from Adult Swim. Um, It's uh, Adult Swim infomercial. It's called This House Has People in It. And it is really fucked up. <laughs> Here's a clip. <laughs> Anne? Something's wrong. I mean something's wrong. She's... Madison, what did you do? Madison, she's stuck. What do you mean she's stuck? Madison, what did you do? Madison? Why, are you, why are you talking she's to her? She's completely out. Is she breathing? Can you hear her? Did you take pills? 
Hey, Julian, my first question that I wrote down is, why do you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I fuck with you guys, so that's why I did it to you. Why did you pick this sketch? <laughs> um, so I saw Excuse it a couple- me, this short film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I saw it a couple of years ago, and um, I've always wanted to talk about it, because uh, this, this is literally like everything I want to do as a comedian. Like this, they, they really hit my particular sense of humor. So I brought it in to talk about it, but I didn't know when I first watched it, I didn't know like how deep this thing goes. This thing is really crazy. Yeah. Wait, so if you, if you're saying it's everything you want to do as a comedian, just when you're saying it's encapsulated in just that in just 10, that video 15 minute yeah. thing yeah or the whole rabbit hole with the easter eggs and the hidden frames and the other like the hour-long bits so yeah when, when i first watched it i was like this is like my type of humor this is what i need to be doing but then also when i re when I did research for this podcast i realized that like i need to be doing more like there's so many more cool things I could fucking do. <laughs> um, so this 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 is one of those videos that or, or one of those yeah it was one of those videos that just gets me like hyped to just do stuff because like even the creators the creators when they asked like you know did you guys plan this whole thing out did you what did you do and and every one of them say we didn't plan anything really and also we put so much stuff in. Like individually, we put so much stuff in that I don't think any one of us knows what we actually did. Like, here's a question from an interview with uh, one of the directors. Would you consider This House Has People In It comedy? The Resnick's response, Alan Resnick, I believe. Uh, yeah, Alan Resnick's the... It's hard to answer. To me, it is funny, so I want to call it a comedy. To other people, it's not funny at all and just upsetting. Even within the creators of the show, you might get a different response to that question. Yeah, I know. And, and that's, it's so crazy to me because, like, I'm laughing my ass off every time I watch this thing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Katie, can you talk about the lines and the differences and the similarities between horror and comedy, which this clearly touches on? Interesting question. Yeah. So watching it for the first time, I immediately noticed this isn't your standard comedy. <laughs> I'm going to have to dedicate my full attention span to it and open my computer because I knew that I was not seeing stuff. Like, so is it horror? Is it comedy? I mean, when you're looking at that girl for the first time, I think it's what, like 20 seconds in and you see there's just a, somebody laying across the kitchen floor. That's pretty funny because the people are having a conversation about, hey, yeah, maybe we'll go to Cape Town instead of to Orlando. Sure, yeah, this is great. Meanwhile, there's a person laying in your living room or in your kitchen. What is going on? So, yes, that's that's comedy, but that's also horror. When you find out that she's freaking sinking into the floor and then that kind of quirkiness about a teenager becomes, what world are we living in? <laughs> what is going on. And then, okay, so then comedy slash horror, when their repairman comes up from the basement, sees what's going on, once her face starts sinking down deeper into the floor and is now coming out the, the ceiling of into the basement, and he has a two-by-four that he's jamming into her forehead <laughs> to try to keep her from falling farther through the floor. 
I mean, that that blurs the lines real good for It's me. so funny. By that point, I was so unsettled by what was going on that I, it was just all horrifying to me. I didn't like. Yeah. The, I found one laugh line in this, which was um, women give each other pills. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I laughed at that, but the rest of it, I was really just horrified by it. I I felt anxiety watching it. I felt anxiety watching a recap video of this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this I was felt, this was difficult for me. I felt a ton of anxiety when I the grandma really confused me. You know, I was like, doesn't she hear what's going on? So I was really disturbed that the grandma was really just sitting there watching this clay man. <laughs> you know, this yeah, which is Alan Resnick, bit. right? I and I and I actually did wear my black and white white striped shirt today. In honor of his character yes. playing with wow. the clay. I know. I mean, plus it was That's hanging there and it was cut. clean. But still, you know, Especially I... Especially for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, right? The visual medium. Kelsey, did you, would you consider this a sketch? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know. I just got such whiplash watching it. And I would almost say no, because I don't think this was a coherent standalone item, right? Like sketch inherently is supposed to be able to stand on its own. And this was never built to be that, despite maybe Julian loving it as just <laughs> it as it is. But we know that the creators had this whole other world fleshed out around it that I think we were meant to consume. I don't plan on consuming that world, <laughs> but no, I, I think this is just a small snippet of something much bigger, which I think makes it not a sketch. I don't know. So I've been reading this book. It's called You're Gonna Need a Bigger Story. <laughs> and it's by Houston Howard. And in it, he talks about, so th there's a style of sort of producing content where like you have, say your, your, your YouTube video, and then you build a world around that YouTube video where you have like different elements. So for this, what they did was they had they had the video. They didn't expect anyone to do dig any deeper into this. But if you did dig deeper into this, you you learn more about the world. They have a website for um, AB Surveillance Solutions, the, the people yeah. that are monitoring this family. And then they have the Sculptor's Playground, which is the show that... Clayground. Clayground, sorry. Yeah. And it actually was Sculptor. There was no P in Sculptor. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sculptor. Yeah. And they invented a disease, Lynx disease, uh, to go with this whole thing. And then there's like... Um, so if you go to absolutionstudios.com, I think it is, you can actually watch different things. Like so different if you go to... A AB Surveillance Solutions. A, yeah, AB Surveillance Solutions. AB Video Solutions is the production company right. that produced the video. Yeah, yeah. As well as too many cooks, right? Right. And um, uh, as well as unedited footage of a bear. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think they. I think some of the people may have been involved in too many cooks. Unedited footage of a bear, uh, which is a previous Adult Swim infomercial that aired before this, and this house has people in it, are connected. They mm -hmm. both concern this Lynx disease. Uh, there are elements, uh, there are props that are connected and other little things that are connected. Too Many Cooks is like standalone, but obviously similar in tone. I think similar in tone because they are both definitely very absurdist. But I think just because you are absurdist doesn't necessarily make you comedy, right? Like you don't have to be funny and be absurdist. This was upsetting absurdist. And I think maybe... I don't know, people are tricked into thinking that this is so absurd, it's got to be funny. I would disagree. <laughs> 
I was not disturbed by this at all. What? I'm in, I'm in the comedy camp. <laughs> so what are what are Explain. the elements? Yeah, exactly. So for for you and Julian, what are the elements of this that come off as funny to you? And I don't mean to say that as like a what's funny about this, but I, I'm really curious. There there are the clear jokes in it. You have the absdest setup, especially with the married couple in the kitchen. I assume they're married. Yes, the but it's their the, second marriage. Yeah, the girl on the ground, the random cuts to the guy, you know, the the plumber, the repairman banging on the things, almost creating this kind of like, what the heck is this guy doing? There's not, I mean, maybe maybe those things are just absurd on their face, and it's the stitching together of all of those things that I found kind of funny, that there is this almost snowballing chaos in the house and that they all kind of are oblivious to everything that's going on. I don't know. I actually, I, I found some of the discomfort and the confusion to be what was funny about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's comedy in the sense that like a Seth Rogen movie is going to be comedy or yeah. something, <laughs> but I do appreciate the fact that it's it's taking advantage of all of the new new-ish platforms that you have available as a content creator, as someone who is trying to put together creative things, to to do something beyond what is a typical sketch or even a typical comedy short and build this multi-layered world where you can just watch the 10 or 15-minute video, however long it is, and that's fine, and it's just weird and confusing, but sort of enjoyable at the same time. Or you can do the deep dive and watch all this other stuff and go on this kind of also bizarrely rewarding hunt to try to find all these answers to things. <laughs> and, but it's it's really it's really taking advantage in a new way of stuff that that does break the rules and challenge what what you think is comedy. And and clearly the fact that it was an adult swim, there's there's some segment out there that's like, yep, we can put this in adult swim and that's gonna play here. Yeah. I was watching it, I was really fascinated that they've found a way to get people to not only watch their video, but watch it again and again and again and again and again and again (laughs) and then go to this website and then even they made a game to put on that website that you might find it and do deep dives into these people's quote-unquote personal records like phone calls, emails, even even the little boy who I don't know how old he's supposed to be but no more than like 9 or 10 and he has emailed his fictional game sh- or his fictional game character and you know this character has somehow infiltrated their lives and there's like over 70 pages of theories on it yeah that, that character people are briefly just- appears in the video there's yeah. like about yeah. like five or six frames where you see this character boomy i believe is the character's yeah. name run in front of a window and it looks like basically like a deranged sonic like sonic from the new trailer for the sonic <laughs> movie yeah um, so Wait, in do this, you sorry i was just going to say in this deranged world well okay let me back up before we get to their deranged world in our world how do you get people to focus on the content that you're creating besides put these wicked conspiracy theories behind it and then also Having now seen little clips and hearing videos about the um, unedited surveillance of a bear, is it is a little bit of that political undertone with, okay, well, we are living in this nanny cam world and those cameras that set up around their house, they don't really look like security videos. It does look like surveillance videos. It doesn't seem like they know that they're there. Yeah. 
And it just kind of opens up that whole can of worms too, because now when you're doing the deep dive, you're basically becoming this fictional world CIA agent. Right. It's like voyeuristic. It is to the nth degree. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I was going to ask you, do you like David Lynch movies? No, not terribly. Mm. I think okay. Twin Peaks watching Yeah, this. this has a very David Lynch quality yeah. to it where you kind of get to the end and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and you can either you can either be like, okay, maybe I'm missing something there. And you, and you watch it again and you can be like, okay, this was just a really creative artistic exercise that was, you know, whatever. And then there are the people who watch a David Lynch movie and they get angry about it. They're like, I'm never getting that time in my life back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that kind of David Lynch consumer, <laughs> yeah. I think. Well, do you think that's kind of a nod to the name of the disease? What is the name of Lynx. the disease? Lynx. Lynx. Lynx disease. Okay. Yeah, it could be. That would Maybe. be way too deep yeah. a cut. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole thing about Lynx disease uh, and also the character from the sculptor's Clayground where apparently he has Lynx disease. Survived Lynx disease. Survived Lynx disease. You get it from working with clay. But you can get rid of it by working with clay. <laughs> and the best clay is found in prisons. In prisons. This is all information you can find <laughs> not in the sketch. Yeah. Uh, they, but they have like newsletters too about Link's disease. So like that's, uh, that, that's how cool this thing is to me. I don't know. It's just like there's just so much information that like that, that, that just adds to the, the original product. Like, it makes me want to do a show where in order to find out where the show is, you have to go to other comedy shows and pick up on a weird, like, undercurrent of humor where slowly but surely over the course of a month, the location is revealed. (laughs) Sounds like a glorious way of helping artists, helping other comedians going to other comedian shows. Yeah. And then we'd only have, like, one person who would show up and then we'd just do this incredible show in a basement for no one. And then we'd put it online and be like, you didn't need to go to those things at all. And by the way, here's here's this thing. (laughs) And what what I've been saying, I'm not opposed to the background of this necessarily and and putting all of this work into building this thing. I just don't think this was comedy. Like pure and simple. I think this is like, this seems like, I said this to our producer earlier, this seems like something A24 would throw $5 million at to turn into a movie. <laughs> this just feels more like a like a horror movie about surveillance. Um, well, and so, so what originally got me uh, that I thought was really funny when I first watched it a couple of years ago was that like, it's a it's an unusual problem that should be simple to fix, but then gets even more and more out of control. So like, like, the daughter, all of a sudden, the dad realizes the daughter's just too heavy. And like, <laughs> and so like, to me, I was just like, that, well, that, that made me laugh right there. But then not only is she too heavy, she's sinking into the floor. She's so heavy that she's going to go straight down. And we, 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 don't, we don't see this in the actual, actual video where she goes through the floor and onto the mattress and then theoretically through the mattress. Into well, the, does she land on the or, mattress? Because there's this cut in the mattress, like there's this the mattress shakes, and then you see yeah. the shot outside of everyone face down, like the woman was, right. like the girl was, but you don't see her on the mattress after right. that. Right. And actually, if you look at the um, the videos on the um, AB Surveillance Solutions website, she comes back after this whole ordeal. So I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what originally made me laugh was just like there's a problem here, and it's like. It's unusual, but like also kind of simple. I don't know. 
All right, it's time for the end of the show. Katie, can you come up with a rating system for how we rate these sketches today? I will. And in fact, I'm going to say just a little homage to my partner who we met as, as, as I was a guest on his podcast. Wow. Yes. And on that podcast, I also had to come up with a rating system. It's the last time somebody's asked me to come up with a rating system. And so I will continue on with that one. I like it. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say that we're going to rate these using a 1 to 10 Guinness scale. So if it's one Guinness, it's one Guinness. If it's two Guinness, it's two Guinness. All right. I like it. Oh. Thank you, Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the heck out of you. Oh, Shane's preserve us. That's a okay. thing, right? I think <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Kelsey, why don't you start us off with what's that name? Sure. And I'm going to set the precedent of no accent because I can't. Um, I loved this sketch. Just the clip delivery of everything was just so crisp and perfect. Um, there were a couple lines that I felt maybe didn't need to be there. Like, I don't know. But otherwise, I this is right up my alley. So I'd give this nine Ganai. Nine Ganai. so much. I would also give this sketch nine Ganai. I really enjoyed it. It's, it. it's really fun. I like the kind of twisted aspects you get of Bill Hader's character. I think it fits a really interesting line between a character sketch and a format sketch. I really liked it. Elizabeth? I'm going to say eight regular Guinness and then one blonde Guinness. Mm. Well, that's delicious. And it's brewed in Maryland. So it's yeah. a Maryland girl. I appreciate you even more. Yeah. I, you know, it's not like not a ton of people drink it, but like it's, it's a pretty solid beer. Really I, enjoyable. Never even heard of it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, this is, this is one of the appealing things about the sketch, right? There's a lot of layers. You got to, you got to really go deep you into pour half it. of it. Wait a while. Then you pour the rest. Yeah. And <laughs> then actually, I would say, similar to the structure of the sketch, where there's sort of three different parts to it, let's do the eight regular Guinness, Guinai, the one blonde Guinness, and then maybe... An Irish car bomb? Irish car bomb. Ooh. Ooh just to like, <laughs> boom, just like that little evil lit. pop at the end, like, ah, like... One of my favorite drinks. Yeah. so good. My it brother ordered one in Ireland, which did not go well for him. Well, that was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm going to, let's, let's do the whole battery of Guinness options. Those, that's how I feel about this sketch. There's just a lot of really great stuff going on here. Julian, how would you rate it? Okay. I think, so I famously, well, not famously because I'm not famous, but... <laughs> but <laughs> within like, the context of the show. Within the context of the show. For the five people that listen to stand, this. Yeah, for the five people. <laughs> 45. They all know 45. that I hate game show sketches. I can't stand them. But this one, this one really turned me around. And I got to say, I would butt chug like... <laughs> I would buck, I would butt chug a keg of Guinness for this one. Wow! Just like you just would for die. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Wait, wait. Got a slow, tear in me eye. Slow pour Guinness, like like with all the foam kind of sorted out. I don't know if I can handle or the foam. I just you know, I don't know if my butt can handle the foam. Okay. But like, okay. But well, I mean, we, that's an important part of Guinness. Like it's hard. Part. You can't yeah. really just like tap it and go. You know, like. So this this would be like a three week process. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how long it would take to butt. Katie, well, how many Guinnesses would you give this sketch? Can I excuse me? I'm gonna give it a nine point five. Nine point five. Nine point five. 
I'm not going to say that it's my favorite sketch I've ever, ever seen, but I really looked at, I mean, I might be conservative in saying that I looked at a hundred sketches and I've been watching sketch comedy my entire life. And I thought I'm going to pull out one of my favorite characters, some of my favorite actors, some of my favorite actresses. Instead, I came to this one, which I love. I love those people. They're fantastic. But just Everything came together so well, so I have to give it that nine point five. Are you, are you just leaving the other half on the bar, or what's what's going on with that? Can I have it? <laughs> can uh, I go it, up my can butt? we put it in Julian's butt? Yeah, that <laughs> it was. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was poured in an unconventional style by Julian. <laughs> All right, so and now <laughs> for this house has people in it. It came uh, out of his butt. I just got that. <laughs> uh, Kelsey, how many genai would you give this house has people in it? Oh, this is a dry house with people in it. Um, <laughs> it's a teetotal house. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I really didn't dislike it as a thing to consume, it was just not my cup of Guinness, I suppose. I would say maybe, you know what? I appreciate the effort, you know? I appreciate commitment. So I'm going to say five. Good eye. Sober. I give it nothing. Cool. Elizabeth? Oh, shit. I'm going to give it negative 36 Genai because this is a sketch where things are going oh. down like beneath the level that we <laughs> live on in a normal plane. And so negative 36, if you could flip that around and do like a deep dive into the conspiracy theories around the number three and obviously like two times three is six. So, I mean, you just, you, you're just a few steps away Can from I being a flat earth. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, as far as, yeah, it's, there's just, there's so much to unpack here. Katie, what would you give it? I'm going to say the cameo alone is worth three. Uh, and I'm sorry, the, the cameo of the writer in the team ah, yes, okay. is worth a three. I thought his, his performance and the things that he was saying were, true absurdist humor. Um, and then the the dad's commitment. I'm going to give it an additional two. So I am right there, midway, at five guinea. And Julian, bring us home. Um, so when I first watched it and when I watched it again and then figured out all of the other stuff that goes with it, um, it's like exactly what I want to do, exactly what I aspire to be. So uh, I'm going to give it like a like a above ground hot tub or above ground pool of Guinness. <laughs> how how big a in an above butt. ground pool? Because they're butt. like child what? sized pools. They're well they're yeah. like those big no, blue ones. The right? big blue ones. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. In my butt. It's got a pump attached. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to our guest, Katie Dunn, for being on today's show. Katie, where can our listeners find you in the world or online? You can find me at katiedunncomedy.com. Cool. Yes. Sorry, I was like, wait. Yes, that is katiedunncomedy.com. And then, my name? <laughs> oh no, I forgot my own. Uh, katiedunncomedy.com, and also at Summers Most Thursday Nights. That's where my partner produces his stand-up show. I suggest you all come. You all have some very fun com comedy things to say. I'd love to hear your comedy. So that's how my mom describes it too. How's your how's comedy thing? How's your little <laughs> skit group going? You you all you always have funny things to say. <laughs> how's, that, how's that comedy life? My dad has he enters real low. It's just like, so you still doing comic? 
<laughs> what? Wait, he asked, you still doing comic? Yeah, so you still doing comic? <laughs> He's almost like afraid to look at me. I don't know. <laughs> Fellow sketch nerds, please like, share, and subscribe. If you have a sketch you're interested in us breaking down, please send it to us. We'd love to do that. You can find out more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For Katie Dunn, Elizabeth Kemp, Julian Morgan, and Kelsey Sweeney, I'm Andy Weld. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by soundtrackforeverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit badmedicinecomedy.com.